Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. Today is Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. This is edition number 43 of season eight as we continue working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today we begin an examination of chapter eight of Christ the Mediator. Let's pray first and then we'll consider just the first half of the first paragraph of chapter eight uh, together. Let's pray. Father, as we now approach this vitally important subject, as we now study this historic document and we see how it summarizes for us accurately that which your word teaches about your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that we would see his beauty, his majesty. We would behold his works and all that he did, uh, that he might be the only mediator between God and men. We pray that you would help us and give us the grace that we need, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, having considered numerous issues going all the way back uh, to chapter um, 6, in which we began to see uh, the calamity of man's fallen condition, at then in chapter 7 we uh, noted how God uh, acted in covenant with us, with men. Uh, we come to the solution, we come to the one uh, of whom um, we find our hope the one who will reverse the very effects of the fall that we, uh, we saw in great detail uh, throughout chapter 6. Our first parents being seduced by the subtlety and temptation of Satan's sin and eating the forbidden fruit. This their sin God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit, having purpose to order it to his own glory. And as a result of that sin, they being the root of all mankind, the guilt of this sin was imputed. And the same death and sin and corrupted nature conveyed to all their posterity, descending from them by ordinary generation. And so this is our lot in life. We are sinners before a holy God. And there's only one solution according to the words of Christ himself in John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except or but by uh, me. So we're going to begin to look at the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ in these, um, in these eight paragraphs that are very full and of some length. Uh, so they'll be divided up as we work our way through this chapter. I deliberately slowed things down here uh, f by intention so that we might not just gloss over the work of our Lord. Without Him, we would be a people to be pitied. We would have no hope in the world whatsoever. But thanks be to God, we do have a Savior, and it is Jesus Christ, the righteous, our mediator, the only mediator between God and men. So let's consider the first paragraph. We're only going to consider half of it, but I will read the entirety of the paragraph uh, this morning, uh, today. So chapter 8, paragraph 1 of Christ the Mediator, It pleased God in His eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, His only begotten Son, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet priest and king, the head and savior of his church, the heir of all things and judge of the world, unto, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. So there's much here in this first paragraph that gives to us really the, uh, 
the person of Christ, uh, the timing of his entrance as the God-man into our world, and it also uh, ascribes to him the various offices and responsibilities, duties that he took to himself then, therefore, or were given to him by his Father uh, for the good of uh, that eternal seed that was promised to him in eternity past. Let's just look at a few things here as we consider these matters We note right away in the very opening lines of the paragraph that it pleased God in his eternal purpose. That is to simply say, as we've already noted, that God decrees all things. And he has ordained all things, not because he looks into the future, not because, but because of who he is by the, his own secret counsel and his uh, holy wisdom. He, in his eternal purpose, determined to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, to be the mediator between God and man. Now, this is uh, moving into a, a, a rather deeper theological issue. I'll see if I can make this as simple as possible. Uh, many theologians and, um, hold to the idea of, a, of what is known as the covenant of redemption. It's a third covenant. It's an umbrella covenant in which God the Father covenanted with the Son together with the Spirit uh, that, he, uh, that he, the Lord Jesus, would enter as, into this world. He would, um, he would take to himself human flesh that he might rescue sinners from their pitiful condition. God promised to the Son that he would give to him a seed, that is to say, the elect, uh, the ones that, of whom Christ is going to die. The Spirit covenanted with the Son in the relationship that as on earth he would uphold him in his works and accomplish the purpose to which he came to, uh, to realize. And not only that, then therefore apply that work uh, into the very hearts and minds of those he came to save. And so God in his eternal purpose chose and ordained the Lord Jesus to this mission, to be the mediator between God and man. Now we've seen already in the Old Testament, uh, we have I've made reference to this, I think, more than once throughout our study of the confession that um, in the Old Testament, God worked in types and shadows. He worked in, 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 in various ways to point us to Christ. And we see really, as by example, in, in the person and work and life of Moses, a mediator, one who stood between God and the people to plead on their behalf, to intercede on their behalf. And this is what the Lord Jesus Christ does. He is our mediator. He is only the mediator of the elect. He is only the mediator of those to whom he came to save. And so he mediates on our behalf uh, day and night at the right hand of his Father. And so a mediator is someone who stands in the gap or stands between two parties. In this case, the party is the holy God of heaven, and the parties are the holy God of heaven and sinful men. The Lord Jesus Christ stands between them as the God-man mediating for them. So we take note of this in Isaiah 42, in verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Now this is right in the middle of the... um, servant songs of Isaiah. Uh, There's quite a few of them at this latter half of the book of Isaiah. They're very important to read and to understand, but here we see very clearly that God, the God of heaven, appointed his son, um, whom he delighted, and whom he delighted to be the mediator between God and men. 
We also note this same idea in 1 Timothy chapter 2. The Apostle Paul uh, makes reference to this very truth in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Um, there we read, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now, this flies in the face of the Roman Catholic doctrine of a priest who mediates for people. Um, it's ridiculous. It's unnecessary. We have only one mediator, and that is the perfect Lamb of God who stands between sinners and a holy, righteous God. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to have a mediator that is like me in that sense in which a priest uh, in the Roman Catholic tradition would... Uh, be in that place to forgive sin, to absolve me of my sin. Only Christ can do that. Only through His work can the Father forgive me for any of my uh, transgressions. And so He is the, uh, the mediator between God and man, and then the confession gives us these three offices of Christ, the prophet, priest, and king. The Shorter Catechism helps us with this very point. In question 23, it asks, What offices does Christ execute as our Redeemer? And the answer is, Christ as our Redeemer executeth the office of a prophet, of a priest, and of a king, both in his estate of humiliation, that is, coming to earth, and his estate of exaltation. And so, these three offices are given to the Savior, prophet, priest, and king. Now, a prophet declares the Word of God to people, and that is what the Catechism tells us in the very next question. How doth Christ execute the office of a prophet? Christ executed the office of a prophet in declaring his, in, in, um, in revealing to us by His Word and Spirit the will of God for our salvation. And we note that from... Um, in Acts chapter 3, and verse 20 and 22, And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren. Like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And you can go back and you can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15. But he's also a priest, and this, of course, has reference to the sacrificial work of Christ. But not only that, again, our catechism is helpful when it tells us what, that, uh, what Christ does as he executes this office. Christ executes the office of a priest and is once offering up of himself a sacrifice to satisfy divine judgment and reconcile us to God in making continual intercession for us. That is to say that God that Jesus Christ is even now still serving His church, serving you, and making continual intercession on your behalf. The writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 5, in verses 5 and 6, So also Christ did not exalt Himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by Him who said to Him, You are My Son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, <clears throat> you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so our Savior continues to serve in that priestly capacity, interceding, mediating on our behalf. But he is also, <clears throat> he is also the king. And Psalm 2 makes reference to the idea of the Lord is king, where we read, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. And so, 
what does Christ do as our king? Well, Christ executes the office of a king in subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies. Now, all three of these, these offices were represented in the Old Testament. You had prophets, you had priests, the line of Aaron, the Levites, and you had kings. You had, you had Saul, you had David, you had Solomon, and so forth. But here in Christ, they are all united in the one person, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The confession goes on to say that he is the head and savior of his church. That is simply to say that there is only one head of the church. It's not the pope. It's not your pastor. It's not the elders. It is Christ. He is the head of his church. He laid down his life for his people. That makes him, by definition, the head of his church. And he is then, therefore, the shepherd of his people. Uh, those elders, those pastors, they are merely under-shepherds of Christ. And he, though, is the head. Ephesians 5.23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, this is, this is very encouraging, of course, and, um, because um, we have a perfect head uh, who makes no mistakes, uh, your under-shepherds, your pastors, your elders, they will blunder, they will err, they will do things poorly sometimes. But not this Savior, not this mediator. He runs his church and he runs it in a perfect manner. He is the heir of all things and judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be a seed and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. We're going to see more of those things in, in, in the Thursday edition. But suffice it to say, it's important just to simply remember and summarize that God ordained this to happen, that he would offer the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to be the mediator between God and men. And of course, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ today, he is interceding for you. So this is comforting for us as Christians to know that we have a Savior who continues to plead um, on your behalf before his Father. He is a prophet. He speaks the word to us through his Spirit. He is our priest. He is continually interceding and mediating for us. He is the King who will defend his people and his church. And he is the head of the church. He is a perfect head. He is, as it were, the perfect pastor, the perfect elder. He is the perfect shepherd of the sheep. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Thursday edition, when we continue looking at paragraph one of chapter eight, may the Lord help you today. May you walk in his ways. God bless.